Amen. Thank you, Brian. That song never gets old, and it's old, but it's from New Song. Y'all recognize that song from back in the 80s? Yeah. Thank you, Brian. It's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite uh, resurrection songs, as a matter of fact, and uh, thank you so much for doing that. Choir and orchestra and praise team. Wow. Thank you all so much for leading us in worship today. Give them a, a wonderful hand of appreciation, too. I want to thank Bobby for uh, taking over last uh, Sunday at a moment's notice, and uh, I know I can do that to him, and uh, I sure appreciate it. I, I was down uh, all last week. I started feeling terrible Wednesday. I fought it off Thursday, but I was a zombie Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, but uh, I called him Saturday night. All day long Saturday, I kept thinking, I'm going to feel better, I'm going to feel better, I'm going to feel better, I'm going to feel better. Saturday night, I wasn't feeling any better, and I texted him. I said, Bring your suit in the morning just in case. And uh, he did a great job, I understand. I knew he would have complete confidence in him. And it was a first sad for me and a first happy for him. I'd never, ever missed the Lord's Supper in my entire life or ministry. That was the first time. That was the first time he'd ever led it. So uh, I'm glad that my sad first was his happy first. So let's give Bobby a hand of appreciation, too. For <laughs> You've been invited today to come and see. Come and see the claims the Bible makes about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Many of you are here because you're already convicted, convinced of the truth of Jesus' resurrection, and your life is a testimony to the power that, and the difference he can make. For some of you, this is just part of your continuing journey as you continue to discover the truth of Jesus and his resurrection and in what, in what difference he could make in your life. Some of you are here simply because someone important to you invited you to be here today. You're not necessarily convinced. You're not necessarily seeking. But no matter why you're here this morning, I'm very glad you came. So how, now that you came, let's see what the Bible says about Jesus' resurrection. So I invite you to open your Bibles or turn your attention to the screen to Matthew chapter 28. And I want us to stand together as we read this passage of Scripture, the first 17 verses of Matthew 28. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, come, see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice. So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to him, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. 
Now while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers, saying, Tell them, his disciples came at night and stole him away while we slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, guide us into the truth of this passage. Help us to see who we are, where we are at this very moment in our lives as we seek the resurrected Lord Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen. We're going to consider the truth of the resurrection of Jesus by examining the difference that it made in the lives of those who got to see him after he came out of the tomb. So who did get to see Jesus after his resurrection? Don't you wish that you were one of those privileged few? Well, first of all, we see the devoted. The devoted got to see him. This included Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene was, by the way, a former prostitute, out of whom Jesus had cast seven demons. Jesus had radically changed her life. And because of that, she was devoted to him. We see another Mary here, quite possibly the mother of Jesus. And as you can imagine, any mother would, she is going to follow her son wherever he goes, and especially if he had been buried, died and crucified and buried, she was going to make sure that his grave was attended to. We also hear that the disciples were there. They're not named here in chapter 28 of Matthew, but they're mentioned in another gospel that uh, it was Peter and John. And you know that these disciples kind of had a foot race to the tomb. To, to Once they got word, they, they raced back and and looked inside the tomb to see for themselves that indeed it was empty. The devoted. These were those whose lives had been radically transformed by Jesus. They were devoted to him because of what he had done for them. He saved them from their sin. He gave their lives meaning and purpose. They were visiting the tomb this early Sunday morning, just as you might do this afternoon. For a loved one, somebody you miss that's missing Easter, or maybe Mother's Day, you go and visit the tomb of your grandmother or your mother. That's what they were doing here on this day. Many of you today are here because you're devoted followers of Christ. Some of you, many of you here today are, in this classification, the devoted. It didn't cross your mind to miss coming to church today or any Sunday for that matter and not just to attend church but you're devote, you've devoted your life to serve Christ because of what he's done for you you recognize that what he did on Calvary's cross and his resurrection your faith in him that's what changed your life it altered not only your life here, but your eternal destiny. And like these 
early devoted disciples, you enjoy time in his presence. You enjoy reading his word. You enjoy spending time talking to him and worshiping him. You enjoy serving others and and telling others about him. Notice what it says in verse 9 that Jesus met them. You can remember a time in your life when Jesus met you. Where Jesus came to you and, and he made himself real to you and he convicted you of your sin and your need for him and you gave your life to him and you've been devoted, not perfect, but you've been devoted to him since. And look at the response of the devoted when they heard of Jesus' resurrection in verse 8 and 9. It says they were filled with joy and they be- ran to tell his disciples. They began spreading the good news. And it says here they clung to him. They didn't want to let him go. And then they worshiped him. You see, that's natural behavior for devoted followers of Jesus. That's not forced. It's not coerced. It's natural for them to have joy. It's natural for devoted believers to want to spread the good news of Christ. It's natural for them to want to cling to him and stay in his presence. It's natural for them to want to worship as you saw in take place this morning it's natural for those who are grateful for all that he's done so you see many of you here today i believe fall in that category you're the devoted but then we see another group verses 11 through 15 we we see the guards we see the chief priests we see the elders i call them the deceivers These were the ones who had demanded that the tomb be sealed and guarded in the first place. And so it was. You see, they had seen this man's miracles, how he healed the sick, how he made the lame to walk, the blind to see, how he even raised the dead back to life. They even heard him claim that he would rise from the dead. And now they can't deny the evidence. They can't deny the eyewitness report of these guards that came back. They had trusted these guards. These guards had been handpicked because they were the best of the best, no doubt, for this utmost responsibility of guarding the tomb and making sure that nothing happened, that his disciples would not come and steal him away and then claim he had resurrected. That's why they had set this guard. So since they couldn't deny the evidence, they just covered it up. They acted as if it wasn't real. I believe that's how some of you here today choose to live your life. Deceitfully. You can't deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you just choose to act as if it isn't real. You cover it up. By the way, you choose to live your life. Your life doesn't bear testimony that Jesus is alive. You see, if you truly believed in Christ's resurrection, your life would look more like those who are devoted to him. But in reality, your life is quite the opposite. Your life lacks joy and purpose. You don't speak of Christ. He's not on your lips. You don't cling to him. You're not interested in the Bible or prayer 
or worship unless it's a special occasion. Gathering with other believers each week is a chore that you dread and avoid instead of a joy that you look forward to. But yet you expect to go to heaven when you die. You're deceiving yourself. You see, these chief priests and elders, they thought they were right with God. They were the highest in the religion of the day. They thought they were protecting God's ways. But Jesus called them serpents, vipers, hypocrites. But think about it. I'm going to show you two other groups, but of all four of these groups today, there was only one group that were actual eyewitnesses that saw the body of Jesus come out of the tomb. Do you know the guards were the only ones that visibly saw Christ come out of the tomb? They had undeniable evidence that Jesus was alive. Yet they accepted a bribe to live a lie. They chose the things of this world, money, to live a lie. That's where some of you are today. There's undeniable evidence that Jesus is alive. You can't dispute the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You just choose to live as if it's not real. What do you reckon the guards and the chief priests and the elders are today? Well, they denied Jesus Christ. They denied the resurrected Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, whoever confesses with his mouth the Lord Jesus and believes in his heart that God has raised him from the dead, he will be what? Saved. So these guards rejected the resurrected Christ, and so they're not saved. So where do you think they are today? They're in hell. My friends, if you go through life not just believing in your head that Jesus rose from the dead, but actually allowing his life to transform your life, you will end up in the same fate as these deceivers. There's a third group here. We see him at the very last verse. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Some doubted. Who do you think maybe he's referring to here? Perhaps he's referring to Thomas. Although Thomas isn't mentioned by name in this gospel, he is mentioned by name in John chapter 20. And I'm going to read verses 24 through 31 about doubting Thomas. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands, in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hand. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. 
This is a follower of Jesus we're talking about here, Thomas. Thomas was one of the disciples, one of the original 12. He was a follower of Jesus, but he was a doubting follower. Have you ever been a doubting follower? Imagine with me why Thomas wasn't with them the first time Jesus appeared to the disciples after his resurrection. Imagine perhaps why he might have been struggling with some doubts. Well, he had been following this man for three years. He had heard this man teach. He had seen this man heal the sick, make the lame to walk, raise the dead, and promise to establish his kingdom. And now he's crucified and he's buried. And perhaps Thomas is just a little bit despondent, let down, discouraged, scared, feeling hopeless. How could this be? I believed in him. He said he was the resurrection and the life, and now he's dead. Have you ever felt like Thomas felt as a follower of Christ? Discouraged, defeated, let down by God, hopeless? I have. I think it's a pretty common experience if you've been a follower of Christ for any length of time. But I want you to notice in this passage that I just read, it says, and Jesus came. Jesus came. You may be going, you may be in the bottom of a valley right now as a follower of Christ. You may be in a wilderness, spiritual wilderness experience right now where you're struggling to read your Bible. You struggle to pray. You see other people worshiping at church, but you're just not feeling it. You know you're saved, but you're just having a difficult time. And it bothers you. Perhaps you've even doubted that you're saved. It was Easter Sunday, the very first one, by the way, that made all the difference to Thomas. Jesus came. And he met Thomas where he was in that position of doubt. He heard Thomas say, even though he wasn't in the room, he was in the room. He heard Thomas say, unless I see, I won't believe. He knew Thomas's position of hopelessness and downheartedness and discouragement, and he met Thomas right where he was. And I want to say to you this morning, if that's the way you find yourself, that God will meet you right where you are. He will come to you just as you are. And he said to Thomas, said, Thomas, here, look, Put your hand here. There's the scar. Remember? Here, Thomas, give me your hand. Put it right here where that spear went in. Remember? And Thomas responded, My Lord and my God. You see, that was a statement of faith. Where Thomas before said, I won't believe unless. Now he's saying, You are my Lord. You are my God. The Bible says in Psalm 42, for all of those who have ever been or are now a doubting believer, 
You doubt maybe the presence of God. You doubt maybe even the power of God. You, you, you may even accuse God for not being there when you, you expected him to, do, to be there like Mary and Martha did when they, their brother Lazarus died. The Bible says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God. For I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Are you one of those doubting believers today? Be encouraged. There's hope. Jesus came and he met Thomas. Jesus is meeting you this morning with his word. He's saying, I know where you are. And I'm here. And he's wanting you to say, Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my God. I recommit myself to you today. Interestingly, in this account in Matthew 28, or in any of the other gospel, nor in any of the other gospel accounts, do we find this man, but we can assume that perhaps he had a hand somewhere in this. We find another group of people that he represents called, I call the defiant. We've already talked about how the chief priest and the elders as being deceivers, but I believe they also represent another type of person who considers the resurrection of Jesus uh, laughable. I would call them the defiant. This is the person who opposes everything to do with Jesus. They deny his resurrection. They deny his deity. They deny even his existence. They mock, they ridicule, and they threaten believers. Some even do so violently and with force. We read later in the New Testament about a man that perhaps could have been there because he describes himself as a Pharisee of the Pharisees that he learned under these chief priests and elders at one time, but he had a life-changing experience on a road to Damascus, and his name was Saul. And it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 1, Then Saul, breathing threats and murder against the disciples, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but saw no one. Notice from this passage, Here's a defiant individual, Saul, seeking to squash Christianity. We live in a culture today that is seeking to squash our faith. 
And we're going to encounter more and more people who are defiant against Jesus Christ and his cause and those who identify with him like yourselves. But notice, Jesus came to Saul, just like he came to the devoted, just like he came to Thomas. He came to Saul, the defiant. And he appeared to Saul, and Saul responded in verse we just read, and he said, what do you want me to do? And then what happened after that was it says, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. The scales of unbelief fell off of his eyes. He received his sight. He arose and was baptized, and when he had received food and was strengthened, Saul went, spent some days with the disciples at Damascus, probably growing in his new faith, and immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. What a radical change from defiant, persecutor, to devoted preacher like that. All because the resurrected Jesus came to him. He's here today. No matter where you are, what group you identify with, the deceivers, the devoted, the defiant, the doubters, the presence of Jesus Christ makes all the difference in the world and he is alive. You cannot dispute the resurrection of Jesus Christ and if you do, you belong to that group called the deceivers who were paid to lie that it didn't happen. But because we cannot deny the resurrected Jesus Christ, we must come to grips with what it means and what difference it makes in our lives. What difference is he making in your life? You see, he wants to move you out of that deceiving phase the devil's the deceiver into the, the believing phase group. He, he wants to move you out of that doubting group into the devoted group. He wants to move you from that defiant group to that devoted group. And even if you say, well, I feel like I am the devoted, can you get closer to Jesus? Can you love him more? Can you love Jesus too much? Can you serve him too much? See, if, if everything we just sang about is true and clapped about and shouted about is true, what difference is it going to make when you walk out of these doors and the singing has stopped and the living starts? That's where it really happens. That's where it really matters out there, out there. Father, thank you for giving your son Jesus Christ.